Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. I think that one of the special joys of talking to a best friend is how quickly you can swing from lighthearted to really serious and back again. When we're talking with our closest friends, we feel safe to be vulnerable. So a lot of times we bookend our most raw and transparent words with laughter. And sometimes in conversation with our best friends, we can even see or resolve a topic with extra clarity by building off one of another's thoughts. You've had this experience, right? You know these conversations. Well, when I interviewed Beth and Lexi, the mother-daughter team behind the hugely popular vegan blog, Crowded Kitchen, I felt like I was listening to a pair of best friends communicating. And because of their easy way of relating, this episode is just full of entertaining, warm, and funny stories, and also incredibly instructive, wise advice about making it through those first difficult stages of an online business And it also raises and discusses really serious topics like the prevalence of eating disorders among high-performing female athletes and how to address and prevent some of those disorders. It's, again, the kind of conversation that only happens between two very good friends. It was really a joy to sit and listen to these motivated, successful women who love each other deeply, just talk about the journey they've been on together. And I'm so excited to share it with you today. Welcome, Beth and Lexi. Well, I'm so thankful to have you guys both on today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So I I was thinking for the listeners how we can, I was thinking like as I was writing up the questions, I kept getting Beth and Lexi confused and I thought I need to get this straight. And I thought, okay, B is for Beth. Beth comes before. <laughs> Beth comes before Lexi. So <laughs> I think that hopefully that'll help with the listeners to remember. So Beth, let's start with you because I loved, I loved reading your about pages and There was this one little story in there that caught my attention that you said you've lived all but three years since you've been five years old in Michigan. And then you just said, I happen to be born in Philippines, but that's the story for another day. So can today be the day? Can you tell us about that? Sure. So my father was a Marine in Mm -hmm. the, uh, he was a major in the Marine Corps. So he was stationed in Subic Bay in the Philippines. And my mom was with him there. And that is where I was born. And unfortunately, I don't remember any of it because I came back when I was six months old, Mm. or he went and served in Vietnam. So wow. Yeah. I feel like I should remember it though, because a lot of our furniture like was handmade there. My mom had all these beautiful handmade dresses and, you know, I used to see slideshows about it, but. Wow. Wow. So even though you don't remember it, the imprint of that experience was kind of all over your childhood. Yes, definitely. Wow. That's amazing. And do you remember portions of your dad being gone or him coming home for Vietnam. I mean, that's a massive experience in a child's life. Yeah, I was pretty young. I think I was like a little over a year and a half when he finally came home. Mm. And yeah, my mom lived with her mother in Cleveland. And no, I really don't remember it. I guess that I was a little uncertain about who he was. So sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But uh, no, I don't remember that so much. Wow. Okay. And then he must have retired for you guys to have stayed mainly in one place. You didn't really live the military childhood. 
No, definitely not. He was in the Marine Corps for 10 years, and then he went and got his master's degree in Washington, D.C., uh-huh. and then he worked for Ford, Ford Motor Company his whole career. So we lived in Michigan, really, from the time I think I was like five or six years old on. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a great story. And I, I am curious. So you said you there was furniture handmade in the Philippines and cloth and things like that around your home. Did your mom or dad or whoever did any of the cooking pick up any Filipino cooking while they were over there? Yeah, actually, there were a couple of recipes. And my dad was actually my mom was a great cook, but never liked cooking. But my dad huh. loved cooking. He didn't like cleaning the kitchen, but he liked cooking. <laughs> And um, yeah. I relate to your dad. <laughs> we had a couple of uh, Filipino dishes that he would make. So that was actually. Well, and our next door neighbors now. Oh, yes. And our next door neighbors. Actually yes. as well. So we, uh, they uh, unfortunately aren't able to cook so much anymore. But I remember when I was younger, they would always bring us their Filipino. They had a uh, special the noodle dish that they oh. would make. Oh, uh, was it, was it pancit? I can't remember exactly. It's been so long it was since so we've had good. it. But anytime they made it, you could like we could smell it from there. <laughs> like a huge tray of it. Yeah. We could eat for days. It was yeah. so good. Yes, yes. What a great memory. And how amazing that it, I mean it's such a nice little neat bow to tie it all up in it. Yeah, for it's sure. Actually, I guess I haven't thought about it that connection no. before. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a great story. Thank you, Lexi. So this is kind of, it does seg into the next question because, you know, Beth, you said that you, of course, just as a tiny infant lived with, of course, your mother and your mother lived with her mother. So family was such a strong value for you. It seems like this closeness that you two share, it goes back generations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my grandma actually ended up moving when she retired because she was a banker and she retired and she ended up moving up here to be closer because I was an only grandchild. So oh, wow. I spent a lot of time with her. She was the baker in the family. I was going to say, you got most of your cooking yes. experience with her. Yes, she, I would go, my mom would let me go there. My grandma never drove. So my mom had to drive her everywhere. And my mom would <laughs> kind of go drop me off there for weeks at a time <laughs> during the summer. And really weeks at a time and, I would cook and play cards and we had so much fun but she was definitely the one that loved to cook and bake especially okay so, so tell me a few of those memories any sensory details what you smelled what you heard what you felt you know anything you made just what what comes to mind when you think of cooking or baking with grandma yeah, we really baked like a lot of a lot of desserts, I guess. So a lot of mm. cookies. I remember especially at Christmas, we would make all the cookies and then she had all those like old style tins and she would bake for weeks, but you were not allowed to touch them until like Christmas week. <laughs> So I was like, okay, grandma, there's like, it was just my mom and my dad and I since I was an only child. And then my grandma at Christmas, and we'd have like 10 tins of cookies that we weren't allowed to touch till Christmas Eve. Wow. My dad and I would go in and sneak and then we rearrange them, but I think she knew. (laughs) (laughs) You'd kind of shuffle them around so there wasn't really a hole in the cookies. Exactly. I remember (laughs) making the press cookies with her. Like I remember doing the press cookies and Mm -hmm. um, she used to make the snowball cookies, which actually... I like took her recipe and, you know, veganized it this year and put it on our blog. So that was always a big fun memory for me doing that with her. But yeah, yeah. So she was teaching you to cook and to bake and a lot of character also self-discipline. And then my mom was the one I did all my 
my parents always had gardens. So I did a lot of gardening with her. She used to make like her own homemade spaghetti sauces and we'd make jams and jellies. We'd go pick strawberries every year and she would make dilly beans, which actually we did put on the blog last year too. Wow. Um, That was something. And we give those as gifts to people because people love those pickled green beans. Mm. Yeah. We did all the canning together. And Mm. like I said, she was a very good cook. She just never enjoyed the process. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how that happens sometimes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you enjoyed it from a very young age, Beth. Yes, definitely. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's just something I kind of always like the experimentation aspect of it and, mm-hmm. and you know, creating different things. So. Mm-hmm. Lexi, did you know Beth's grandmother or did she pass before you were born? She passed, was it when I was very young or before? She passed the year before I got married. Okay. So, yeah. So, I, you yeah, know, unfortunately, I was, I never knew her, but we do still have, you know, we have the recipe box with all mm. of her old recipes. And it's, mm. it's definitely a source of inspiration for us from time to time. My mom will pull out a recipe and be like, hmm, is there a way we can make this vegan and or gluten free and put it on the blog? So, it's definitely, you know, she lives on through through the blog. And we, we actually talk about it all the time. Obviously I didn't get to know her, but how yeah. from my mom's memories of her, how much she would have loved to be a part of this experience and would have loved cooking with us. So, my mom too. Yeah, That's actually absolutely. one of my favorite things in the kitchen, even though a lot of the recipes are really stained in the corners mm-hmm. and gray. But when I got married, my mom and grandma, well, my mom had taken her recipes. I guess she wasn't here, my grandma, but um, she'd taken her old recipes. And then my mom hand wrote a bunch of her favorite ones. So I have all these handwritten recipes, which really really mean a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of, it it really is, I think one of the most precious things. Yeah. I have a a trivet (laughs) from one of my grandmothers. It's just up on my windowsill. I don't actually use it because it has pieces broken off of it that I keep gluing back (laughs) together, but it's nice to just have that physical reminder of someone. Yeah, it is. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So Lexi and Beth, how about you two? What are your earliest kitchen memories together? Yeah, I think baking at the definitely holidays, baking definitely. the holidays. Yeah, yeah. sugar cookies and they would the smell of mess. almond Doing extract. <laughs> is it that every time I smell it? Oh, that's because the almond extract the is in my grandma's spritz yeah. cookies, so yeah. that's why they remember that. But I also have really fun memories right? when I use almond extract. I get that like warm feeling. I think it's because we don't use it often. Yeah. So. Yes. Right. So whenever we do, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> it's right. Right. It, it signifies the holidays and that warmth and nostalgia and all of that. Absolutely. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And my brother, my brother, I have two brothers, one older and one younger. And we definitely, especially my older brother and I used to experiment a bit in the kitchen <laughs> together, always making a huge mess. Um, the one thing that we got, actually her older brother, we got him a, he was really into wanting to make creme brulee. So oh that was God, one of his Christmas gifts cool. was the torch. Just, just, just this year or when he was younger? When he was younger. So he was like 13, maybe. It was probably not a good idea to get a thirteen year old, but you made good creme brulee. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, first of all, Lexi, I'm the middle girl of two boys myself. Yes. Yes. Neither of them really cook or bake at all. But that's really cool that your brother does. My oldest son, he's 16. He bakes, he is literally baking right now. (laughs) He's making zucchini bread. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So that was something that you guys all really did together, like all all four or even five of you. 
Yeah, the younger one, not so much. Although my mom, we were talking when we were, you know, discussing some of the stuff for this, we were talking about how my brothers and I were very, how should I put this, like very animated, very dramatic when we were younger. So we would always like, we would want to put on a show and we would make menus and we would dress up and serve dinner to my parents and like make it into a whole whole thing. There's usually a show that involved dancing and singing. It was musical theater. Yeah, pretty much. We were all very into music. We all played piano. My older brother played saxophone. I played flute. So it was always, yeah, we were always very much into, I guess, the entertaining experience. Wow. Yeah. I'm thinking like ancient banquets is what you guys had. (laughs) Maybe not quite that fancy. (laughs) One of the things we did do when the kids, kids were young, we didn't have so much money to go on trips mm-hmm. then it was freezing cold like it mm-hmm. often is here oh, in yeah. January and February mm-hmm. and so we decided to turn the heat up really high we told everyone to get in their shorts and we had our family luau our first family luau and then we, we turned we it danced into a yearly and, thing we yeah. make a whole Hawaiian feast <clears throat> oh how great is that what a brilliant idea Beth and we'd have a blue blanket and they would pretend they were surfing and we put on like it was really fun appropriate music and it became a big deal actually yeah. my in-laws for their I don't know which anniversary it was but the party theme we threw was the luau and everybody dressed up and it was fun oh that's great that's just amazing Beth as they experimented how did you deal with a like frustration over potentially wasted ingredients because that's part of experimentation and be the mess what was kind of the rule in your house when it came to clean up <laughs> there's like laughter and an awkward silence <laughs> i mean i guess we just tried to get them to clean up as much yeah. as they could but usually well, i would get say, frustrated i mean you still say today in the kitchen i, I am just like i am just a messy baker oh, I will have to be a clean baker, and it's been like that since since day one so i feel like every time we're baking your recipe you're like oh yeah. my gosh i cannot believe you feel this it looks like a tornado went through the kitchen. Yeah, I know. There's certain things that we just, I mean, we can work and work and work at it, but we just don't fundamentally change certain things about ourselves, do we, Lexi? Yeah, you know, you know, and I think it's just ingrained in me. Like every time I measure flour, it just gets on the counter. I don't don't even know what I'm doing wrong. It's just part of me, so... That's so funny. Yeah, I think the cleanup is kind of a constant source of tension between me and my baking kids, but it's it's something that I'm willing to. You know, you know what it is for me? I don't mind the making the mess. I mind the denial. Like I'll <laughs> I'll complain. You know, I had to spend Oh no, you didn't. I cleaned up all What are you talking about? I just cleaned for 20 minutes. How can you say you didn't make a mess? I think that's what really gets to me. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, cuz their version of a mess and ours is a little different. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they knew how to wipe a counter. I'd be like, um, okay, so the kitchen's not actually really clean yet. So, right. Yeah. It's a good thing though. I feel like she always encouraged creativity. Like when we, uh, the first time when we moved into this house that we've current, you know, we've been in for now for what, 20 years 20, or something, 20. they did a total remodel and she let her and my dad let us basically color and draw and paint all over the kitchen, like all over the wow. cabinets and everything. So she was, I mean, she, you also had a background as a preschool teacher, a teacher and yeah, preschool teacher. teacher so, so you always encouraged a mess. I did. Um, encourage yeah. A mess. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I know that's wonderful. That's really wonderful. Lexi, do you remember any particular successes or disasters that just, 
you were so proud of or so devastated by as a kid? I remember, um, you know, I, I always would make chocolate chip cookies, like I'm sure most mm-hmm. you know, eight year old, whatever, 10 year old kids, yeah. but I did eventually memorize the recipe and it was always a hit. We would always have all yeah. the people from our bike team were obsessed with bars. it. Yeah. yeah. So that was a, like, everyone was always asking for the cookies, even though the recipe was probably from like the Nestle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that was my big signature recipe as a kid. <laughs> That's I'm awesome. To make a baked Alaska. I think I was like <laughs> nine. And I decided that I wanted to make a baked Alaska, and it I, it didn't turn out like the picture looked. I don't know why. But that's <laughs> that's amazing. A baked Alaska at nine. I saw a picture and I thought this looks cool. I'm going to try this, but yeah, it didn't work out so well. <laughs> that, that, did you use a blowtorch? Or did you actually bake it? In Probably the oven? not. We didn't have one. I don't yeah, even use know what I did. Yeah, but it didn't work. So, oh yeah. And how did Lexi, your dad, Beth, your husband, play into all of this? <laughs> well, let's see. Back in the day, I mean, he was always—he's always been the grill master of, yeah. of the family. Uh, yeah. <laughs> loves grilling. He, he always kind of just let us make our mess. And then, you know, and then he'd come in later and, and be like, why is it so messy? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was always very full cool with it. And, and nowadays he's, I mean, you know, we're obviously very close. We're always working together. I'm always here at my parents' house and mm-hmm. he's very involved in the business. And is he? Oh yeah. yeah he and loves, he's wonderful about helping it. to clean up the oh, kitchen. Yeah. Like he'll Aww. come down, take a break and he'll do some dishes and yeah, he's he really works good about it as well. So he's, he loves being a part of it. And that's wonderful. How does he, how does he contribute to the business besides cleaning up, which is a massive contribution? It is. It is. And it's, uh, yeah, it's hugely helpful to us, but he is, he has a background in sales. He's a very successful businessman. So he okay. helps out a lot kind of with our strategy and um, helping me just become an entrepreneur, basically. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I think that is the most wonderful gift because I think sometimes it's knowing like where to focus your time and attention. I mean, none of us have limitless time. So it's knowing where to focus your time and attention and to strategize. And also just, well, you already have an advantage, the two of you working together, but then to bring a third person in, I think just to bounce those ideas and, and get them out of your head. Gosh, how amazing is that? Yeah. And we actually now, um, a more recent development is that my husband is actually now working with us as well. So it's really a family business. <laughs> oh, that's just amazing. What does he do? He formerly worked as a financial analyst and during the pandemic, he was obviously working from home and mm-hmm. just realized, you know, this is kind of the lifestyle we want to live and we mm-hmm. want to have all this freedom and be able to travel. And it just was a good time for us where we ended up needing help with the website and just some backend stuff. So he kind of now is working on improving SEO, helping us write posts, reaching out to new clients. So kind of all of the behind the scenes stuff that allows us to focus more on the creative aspect of the business. So that's been hugely helpful and yes. we've been able to take on more clients and it's been it's been really nice. So yeah, so all four of us work at home. <laughs> well, that's that's wonderful. I congratulate you on that. And so I I switched to this rather recently about a year ago. I was a wedding photographer for almost nine years. And I actually worked with my sister-in-law and our husbands are brothers. 
and our husbands worked together at that time. My my husband owns a software company and her husband worked for, you know, his my husband's little brother <laughs> worked together. So it can work. But I would have actually told you before that experience that it was a terrible idea to work with family. And I think there's certain reasons why it worked for us. You know, if there are people listening who are thinking of going into business with family, what would you say kind of needs to be in place? Like, why does it work for you? And what are maybe things people need to think about? Yeah, I think that Lexi and I have very complementary like strengths. So my strength is more in the kitchen and the recipe development and the behind the scenes. In the beginning, it was it was difficult to figure that all out. And she's mm. just amazing at the blog posts and the food styling and the photography. And, mm-hmm. you know, once we kind of learn, let's see where our place is, but no, where yeah, our role, our I think are. our role, yeah. what our strengths are, what our role is, we just really learn to trust each other yeah. in that department. And I think we really work pretty seamlessly. When yeah. It and it, that. I think talking yeah. is really important. I think sometimes in the beginning, we didn't always communicate those things mm-hmm. very well. And I think that now, we do. And I think that it works much better for us because of that. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important. I think, um, and I'm sure you have similar experiences as well to be transparent that like, it definitely has not always been easy. And the yeah. first couple of years were tough, I, I think largely because, you know, a couple of different reasons, but mostly because we were still at the very baby stages of the business. We didn't really necessarily have a direction we were headed in. And yeah, we didn't totally know what our strengths were and how to divide tasks and everything. But once we figure that out, and also I think another thing that's hard is that it's important for us to have a mother-daughter relationship and a business mm-hmm. relationship. And when we were first starting out, it was kind of hard to find the line there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I so think that's yeah. important to totally. know that they're just, just like a work, you know, home separation. If you work from home, you got to know like when to stop. Right. But yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's the same thing and sometimes, and we weren't ever like really just taking the mother daughter time. Yes. Um, mm. become much better about that now. And, but yeah, really in the last, I would say year and a half, I think the last year, year and a half. Yeah. We've really settled in and it's been, I mean, it's really been amazing since then. Like it's just really, it really clicked for us at a certain point and mm. now, I mean, I would never change it. And I think mm-hmm. we just learned to trust each other for our jobs, right? Like she yeah. trusts me to, you know, focus on the recipe development and all Absolutely. that. And I trust her to do all the other stuff. So it works out really well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did have similar experiences where we found that the more we could not collaborate, I mean, we collaborated on big decisions and direction, but the less we collaborated on tasks and the more we just divided tasks. And interestingly enough, that one of the things that helped us most with our partnership was when the times that one or the other of us was on maternity leave and was <laughs> running the business ourselves. Sure. We realized what was advantageous about doing something by ourselves. And that kind of then strengthened our partnership as we, you know, figured out what went more smoothly when we did it solo, if that makes sense, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It gives you an appreciation for what the other person is doing too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened, you know, you talked about these fumbling stages where for the blog and your business, your business is more than your blog. So the fumbling stages kind of for your business and for your relationship. And part of that is when, one thing is struggling, the other struggles, like it's it's a little bit of a symbiotic, you know, situation there. What made you keep going through those years? One of our main goals, I think, with the business and one of the, probably the thing that we focus on the most is the idea of constantly improving and mm. just constantly trying to better our skills and learn more. And I think as a result of that, over the last few years, you know, we've just continuously improved our skills with photography and recipe development. And it's really just been kind of an 
exponential process where, you know, it just gets better and better as we keep going. So, you know, of course there have been times where we've been frustrated and things have been really hard, but we have never really ever come close to like giving up or anything. Yeah. Like it, we just kept persevering and it's just keeps getting better. So I think yeah. too, we had to learn that like, especially in the beginning, you know, like you're so inspired by so many other artists in the field sure. and like to learn too, that you have to be who you are and yeah. be true totally. to yourself. And, and I think too, learning that you can't be everything. Like so many people in this industry do so many wonderful things and you're like, oh, we should do this. We should do that. We should do this. And we like, start a YouTube exactly. channel. Exactly. And should, then yeah. we're like, okay, like these things all sound great, but in reality, all that's going to do is stress us out and take us away from the main mission. So what is really important to us? And I think once we finally started to realize that and have those conversations, I think things really started to go much more smoothly. Yeah. yeah. And organization. I am not a very organized person. <laughs> Mom is. She's definitely much more organized than I am. So I had to also like, you know, realized that that was kind of a key to some of our, or it was an issue definitely between us because she was organized and I wasn't. And then there wasn't so much communication. Yeah. So I just had to really up my game when it came to Yeah. Work. Yeah. Yeah. Realize the value in systems and, yeah. and kind of submit to the system <laughs> or the systematic approach. Yeah. Well, yeah. because I know that I try to get her to think about things in advance so that mm -hmm. that way it's not this frustrating moment the day of. So yeah. 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 I love what you said about continual improvement because I feel like that is what I hear over and over and over again from people who have found success, whether it's kind of writing that book that they wanted to write, whether it's growing this business or, you know, all different types of people that, that come on the podcast or that I've seen, you know, be successful is that you have to love the journey. Like you have to sit there and find a challenge and joy and fun and excitement and exhilaration in growing in improving. And it's almost like that's the only thing that's going to keep you going at first. You can't just want the goal. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, and you have to learn, like, I know, like for me with recipe development, you know, when I'm in the kitchen, I used to get so upset and like if things didn't go well and now I'm like, okay, I'll laugh. Sometimes things are pretty funny, but most of the time it does. <laughs> I, I try to focus on the fact most of the time it does go really well. And if something doesn't go well, that, you know, that's okay. And it's part mm, of the process yeah. of, like you said, learning and growing and, and constantly bettering yourself. It's yeah. hard to in the beginning, especially with recipes, because when we were first starting out, we didn't, you know, our audience was much smaller. We weren't mm -hmm. having as many people make our recipes and we weren't getting as much feedback. Mm -hmm. So now that we've grown a lot, we get a lot more reviews and, and ratings and comments on the blog of people that have made our recipes and they've been, you know, overwhelmingly positive. So I think that has definitely helped as well, yeah. just seeing that people trust our recipes and that people are able to recreate them without any issues. I think yeah. Yeah, of course. Like that, that, that positive feedback, that affirmation that can keep you going yeah. as long as a dollar can for a little while there. <laughs> it takes time though. It's, it's hard in the beginning. It's, it's, yeah. you have to really persevere because it's, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Again, but that excitement or that was exciting to you, the improving. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. I think that's all great advice. And I think that I do find it interesting because of course you found this way to work together and you've always been close. You talked about your times, you know, Lexi, your childhood and the luau and everything. But I also find it interesting that you spent this really, really devoted time together in high school mm -hmm. 
right at the time where a lot of kids are really kind of pushing that independence from their parents. So can you guys tell me about that? Hey there, listeners. I am so sorry for the interruption, but I have to tell you about this really exciting opportunity for you to win one of two amazing prizes simply by trying a brand new recipe. So two beautiful women over on Instagram decided to run a challenge that would amplify the story of my guests on the Storied Recipe podcast. The challenge is simple. You just make any recipe shared by a guest that's over 60 recipes you can choose from. Take a picture and tag us over on Instagram. This is not a photography challenge. The three winners will be randomly chosen and they will not be based on the recipe that you choose or the quality of the photograph that you take or even if the recipe was a success or not. The challenge will run May 10th through 17th and you can get all of the details over on thestoriedrecipe.com. You'll see a link to the challenge right on the homepage. Okay, so what can you win? First, for the food photographers out there, you can win a brand new backdrop from Jessica. Jessica was herself a guest on the podcast last summer talking about her Venezuelan arepas and her backdrops are amazing. I own two myself. I love every image I take on them. They're easy to clean up, easy to store, high quality. Any food photographer out there would be happy to own one. Also for the bakers listening, Danny, who was a guest just a few months back, is a British baking instructor who trained for over 600 hours in France. She is a World Bread Awards judge and an ambassador for the Real Bread campaign, and she is offering a 30-minute Zoom session to answer any questions you might have about bread baking. She's offering those to two lucky winners. So again, to enter, all you have to do is try a new recipe. You can find all the details on thestoriedrecipe.com. Thank you for listening. And now back to Lexi and Beth. I'll let my mom speak her experience first and then mine. (laughs) Yes. I think for me, I actually ultimately ended up coaching all three of my kids. And Mm -hmm. I think for me... And just sorry for listeners, what did you coach them in? Oh, I'm sorry. I coached uh, high school cross country and then I coached the distance runners in track and field. Yeah. Amazing. And you started when I was a sophomore. Yeah, I started when she was a sophomore. I really like, obviously there's, you always have to navigate the fact that you're the coach and your child is on the team. And in our case, Lexi happened to be our best runner, which also makes it a little trickier. So sometimes she would probably agree. I was tougher on her than Mm. maybe I needed to be. And I know she didn't always understand that, but, um, Mm. but I think it was a really, uh, a wonderful experience because, you know, obviously I knew a lot of the parents because I was a parent at the school too, but I really got to know her friends and I got to know like, you know, what she was doing, things that maybe as a parent, your kids come home and you're like, what'd you do today? And they're like, nothing. So in that case, <laughs> yeah. I didn't really have that experience because, you know, I would often hear what was going on, you know, and hear all the fun gossip, sometimes <laughs> more than I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you could relate to like, it wasn't just this story that kind of was out of context. You kind of saw the yeah. context of the things that maybe bothered or upset her or whatever. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I think I really got to know the kids in a different way. And I think they saw saw me in a different way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I I think from my perspective, 
it was the thing I probably struggled with the most, which, you know, looking back now, I'm like, oh, what an idiot I was. But I was always one to try to, like, I always wanted to push myself to my limits. Mm. And being my mother on top of being my coach, she was obviously a lot more protective of me and wanted me to, you know, not necessarily hold back, but like make sure I wasn't going to injure myself and Mm. recovering properly. And, you know, being a dumb 16 year old, I was like, (laughs) no, it's fine. I can run as many miles as I want to and whatever, not stretch. It's fine. Um, So even through college, when I was running in college too, you know, she would always be like, well, of course you got injured because you did this. And I feel like, you know, I didn't want to accept the criticism, but of course now looking back, I realized obviously she was all right. But um, (laughs) so yeah, no, that was probably the harder part for me, but Mm. for, but I mean, the hugely positive part too, is that having her as our coach, I mean, as you can tell through the stories I've told already about her childhood and stuff, Mm -hmm. she's obviously a very fun and creative and just great person to be around. So the team before uh, she started coaching and before I I joined was very small. I think it was like seven people, which as you know, is what you need to be in a race. Yeah. That's your Um, varsity. (laughs) Yeah. So as you know, that first year we got a bunch more people to join and it was just so much fun. Our team was, it was so much fun. Like we just had the best group of girls and, you know, it's totally different than having, you know, an old random man coaching, you know, mom. So she made it so much fun. And we would have these days where we would dress up in like crazy outfits and put body paint on just for like a normal practice. Oh, you know, it was, we would have pasta parties Mm. and waffle runs. It was just such a fun experience that I Mm. think a lot of coaches, you know, since they don't have that like personal connection with the team, probably don't do. Yeah. So it made it such a fun experience for us. I think I actually the because I came to it later, it was actually good because I'm I'm very competitive. So of course mm. I wanted to be good at it. And we ended up winning the regional title my second year coaching. Wow. But I focused on the fact that they're young and they're kids and they should have fun doing it because what was the point of coming there? And if I wasn't having fun, like why should we all yeah. be there? But also yeah. too, I recognized, I think this is where having my daughter on the team, I recognized like she was in like four or five AP classes and yeah. you know, maybe she stayed up half the night the night before. And that's why her workout wasn't so great today. So I think yeah. I brought a whole different perspective to it yeah. because I was also a mom and my daughter was on the team. So I knew more what was going mm. on. That really helped me a lot as a coach, I think. Amazing. Well, plus now we've kind of ever since you started coaching, I guess. I mean, even before you started coaching, like all of our friends, all three of my, or two of my brothers, our friends were always at our house. Like they always knew my parents really well. Like we, you know, it was always, we weren't necessarily going off to hang out alone in my room. Like it was always kind of a whole family thing. And that really extended to my younger brother, his friends, Oh my, I swear they lived here for half (laughs) his whole career. And they were, they would just come over and hang out with my parents. Like yeah. they would just like open the garage and be like, oh, hey, Beth. Yeah. <laughs> when I coached them, so, I right, coached them all. Were they were coach. all on the team and then so. practice would finish and they don't want to come over and eat. Yeah. So it was wow. just, cool, just a really cool experience. I think that a lot of people don't, don't yeah. have. So amazing. Amazing. And Lexi, how amazing for you also to have a female coach. Definitely. Oh my gosh. And I had a female coach in college as well. So okay. I actually, my track coaches were were male um, in high school, although you really coached me. Yeah, I some of them were. Really. Yeah. But yeah. No, it's, I think it's, but yeah, I think it was. What do you think that it brought to the table having a female coach? I just think just a lot 
more understanding of maybe issues that are happening within the team and even yeah. uh, not even necessarily like physical or um, mm-hmm. mental issues related to training and com- competing, but also just like re- interpersonal relationships within the team, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially in, in high school, we definitely had some strong personalities and mm-hmm. I think, you know, some male coaches might not always get how to balance that mm-hmm. <laughs> or how to avoid issues. So I think that was very helpful. I also focused a lot on nutrition. nutrition. Yeah, yeah, really. After my that. first season, um, we we were really pretty successful the first season out even. And then I thought about what else can I do? And I think hmm. really, again, having my daughter on the team made me realize like, hey, nutrition is a really important component. Hey, getting these kids to sleep is also important. Mm-hmm. I had one or two that had eating disorders. And so, you know, I brought in some specialists to really come and talk to the kids. And we talked about how to grocery shop and, you know, really a lot of them took it to heart. And yeah. mm-hmm. I focused on the fact that it was a, something they should make as a good life choice, not just for running, but it would help them in school and it would help mm-hmm. them when they were adults someday. And and that was kind of the approach that I took. Mm-hmm. That's really kind of how we got started in this whole thing, because I think mm-hmm. as you started learning more about nutrition and sharing more with the team, you saw how interested people were. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and like parents even would be super interested. And like, yeah, I right. feel like you would have kids, like boys on the high school team who would be like, Coach Beth, I picked up some chia seeds, you know, right? (laughs) So I think that's kind of where this whole thing started was seeing how how people are just really don't know that much about Mm -hmm. uh, proper nutrition. Mm -hmm. Also, you've seen the impact of of eating healthy and like how it really does help you in so many aspects of life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So two follow-up questions on that. How did you spot those eating disorders? That's a good question. Well, the the one was like after Lexi was gone and it was, it was such an obvious difference that it was from spring track season to six weeks later when we had our first cross country practice. And mm-hmm. it was really a dramatic change, like to the point where I almost didn't recognize wow. the girl. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, we had to pull her aside. It was the two male coaches and I, and they all, they left it to me really <laughs> to mm-hmm. talk to her. And I knew her mom and, and, you know, at first it was very difficult actually, but the other mm-hmm. girls actually came to me because they knew I'd be receptive and they're like, you have to do something. This is what's going on behind the scenes. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That one was more obvious. I think the other one, I, I think it was more just that you could see it in her performance. I think mm-hmm. sometimes that it, it seemed to be a problem. So her dad was very responsive. And, mm-hmm. um, it's always so challenging though, because we there were there were one or two girls on my college team as well. Mm-hmm. Who, I mean, and in college especially, I went to a very small school, and mm-hmm. we actually we live on campus all four years. There's only one dining hall, so we always would eat with the team. So you you know you really see like exactly what people mm-hmm. are eating and what they're mm-hmm. doing and how like, like every single meal. And there were a couple girls where, especially one where it was just so obvious, and yeah. we tried to approach like help and yeah it's just really hard to approach it the right way. And it didn't yeah. end up going well. And unfortunately it kind of ruined a friendship for me, but it was so severe that like, yeah. I couldn't not right. interfere. <laughs> right, right, right. But, yeah. So delicate. It is delicate. And I think, again, that's where it's wonderful to have female coaches because, yeah. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think eating disorders can start. We're going to actually do a couple episodes on on this because um, this show like totally romanticizes food, you know, but this is like a huge glaring issue in kind of the food world that we almost never discuss, you know. So yeah. it's interesting that this is taking that route. But 
there's obviously a lot of reasons why people, you know, kind of succumb to eating disorders. But in the athletic world, a lot of times, ironically, it is to improve performance. And sometimes even that pressure athletes, especially female athletes, can misinterpret, you know, cues about healthy eating and things like that. And almost just out of like misinformation, you know, or a desire to perform better. Absolutely. Go down that path. Yeah. And and to be totally transparent, I haven't really discussed this much, you know, in public, but I don't Mm -hmm. mind discussing it because it's so important. Mm -hmm. I actually developed a pretty severe eating disorder Mm -hmm. that was also linked to a severe anxiety disorder, which Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, realize until later in life, unfortunately. And it had actually started because uh, obviously, as you can see on our Instagram, we are vegan and yeah. mostly gluten-free. And it stemmed from having, both of us have pretty severe food allergy issues. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of where it started for us. And I had gone to a holistic doctor when I was, I guess, at the end of high school. And he, you know, I did all these food sensitivity tests mm-hmm. and they basically told me to rule out like everything, yeah. you know, they, yeah. they were like, you can pretty much eat like vegetables at the time, like meat I was eating and uh, like some fruits. And so while I was doing that, I was also getting ready to move a, to a different state for college and I was training like crazy. And so I, you know, got to the point where I, I in my brain, I just had like demonized all of these food groups essentially that were obviously yeah. really important for me and really I needed them to train and to just be a normal human. Yeah. <laughs> and so I developed some pretty severe eating issues and almost had to leave school. It was like a whole thing. I mean, thankfully I'm, you know, I was able to work through it and, and my relationship with food is really healthy now. Um, yeah. but it kind of I mean, severely impacted most of my college experience because it was so disastrous for yeah. me. And it was so difficult to deal with, especially not being near home. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, I try, I honestly also regret now not being as transparent with my teammates because, you know, I didn't really want them to know what was going on. And towards the end of my college career, my senior year, I finally started opening up more about it. And so many other girls were like, have gone through the same thing. And it's just like, I feel sad now that I didn't talk about it, yeah. more, you know, have the support that right. is really there. So right. So yeah. To, to talk about it and to make, especially young girls realize that it's not uncommon and it's not, yeah. no, it's not. Yeah. The world, like you can work through it. So it's definitely something we both identify with strongly. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I am sorry that you went through that. Very common. It is. It's like this very like hidden in plain sight epidemic, I think, which is why I was curious how you spotted it, Beth. And, you know, good on you for that because, and and like you said, Lexi, like spotting, it's just the first part. And then it's like, how do you, how do you address it? And that's what I would love to ask you guys about, because clearly you have these allergies. They're not going away. An anxious personality doesn't go away. And so you have to kind of pursue these, these food challenges, right? Which, which you do on your blog. So let me back up a little bit. Can you just tell listeners what it is exactly that you individually, and then kind of your family at a whole is allergic to? And then the bigger question is, how do you take that from a restrictive mindset to a celebratory mindset? How do you think messaging should be different? How could it be different to you? And how do you do that differently to your audience? 
Sure, sure. So, well, to run quickly through the allergy part of things, we're definitely yeah. both severely allergic to dairy, which is mm. when we, which we, I feel bad for my mom because she went through her whole life <laughs> not mm. realizing that because we didn't, when did we figure that out? 2012? <clears throat> yeah, probably. Yeah, mm. I think 2012. And then gluten sensitive. Yeah, gluten sensitive. Although I've over the years have actually been much better. Like I eat it occasionally and have no issues. Um, mm. So I can't. That's good. So yeah, dairy was the, the really big one for us. And we're um, allergic to the protein in it too. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. My yeah. littlest that's yeah. He couldn't. Yeah. That that's, yeah. that's the thing that's different than being lactose intolerant yes, and people exactly. don't know that. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was, that was the main one for us. She's definitely more gluten sensitive than I am. And then the meat part of it, we both just eventually stopped eating meat. So that came later that there's no like allergy issue there, but your brother, yeah. And then my brother's allergic to all tree nuts. Wow. My husband has some mild allergies to a couple of random things like avocados and Hmm. some nuts. It's very random allergies. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, that's, I would say that's about it, but since we all have kind of different things, it can be a challenge and nobody else in the family is vegetarian or vegan. So, okay. Yeah. So it's always, it's always a challenge. But my yeah. husband's really, my husband's really open to eating a lot of yeah. vegan stuff. So he's really good about it. I don't like, yeah. usually have to cook separately for him. Or anything, okay. So. okay. And actually Brent, my husband doesn't eat red meat or fish. So he really only eats chicken. So okay. just like, he's also very picky. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But you guys, what we're talking about, I mean, just to continue with the running metaphor, these are a lot of hurdles to jump over when you're planning meals. Yeah. Right. 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 So, so yeah. So going back to when I developed all of these issues around food, it was very hard for me for the first several years to get a hold on, you know, first of all, just like what I could eat in general without being sick. And, you know, at that time too, with an undiagnosed anxiety disorder, a lot of my digestive issues, I think now I realize were from the anxiety. Right. So yes. That mm-hmm. has been uh, resolved a bit more since then, but yeah, so it, I definitely had a very negative mindset around it for the first few years, but I really feel like since the time we started Crowded Kitchen, which has now been four, four years. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we've we've developed a super healthy mindset around food, and mm. just like we're very much you know into intuitive eating. Like, mm-hmm. definitely do not have any sorts of restrictions when it comes to like what we're eating. Yeah, um, obviously we make vegan food and mostly gluten free, but yeah, we try to be very open with our mindset around eating. And I think yeah. I did some online culinary training really when we started this whole thing and it was all um, Mm plant-based and I wasn't actually vegan at the time, but I think that's kind of sort of what led me to make that choice because I just really started to learn to appreciate vegetables and Mm -hmm. fruits and grains and beans in a whole different way. And I realized Mm -hmm. that, you know, like a salad, like when I grew up, salad was just like, you know, iceberg (laughs) lettuce with maybe one tomato that wasn't right. (laughs) And it was iceberg lettuce, which is like (laughs) 98% water. (laughs) And ranch, which I like, I was always like, I don't really like salad, but I started to really learn to cook with all these different mm. things. And like, I remember the first time I tried miso, I was terrified to try it. And in my mind, I was not going to like miso. I love to cook with miso now, you know? So mm. it's like really, I had to do these recipes for the class, for the assignments So mm-hmm. it really opened up my eyes to all the different flavor combinations and everything. So mm. I never feel like restricted. Of course, sometimes when you go out to eat, which none of us can do right now, <laughs> mm. it can be challenging, but in general, I 
I don't really feel super restricted now. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody's not vegan and they're trying our recipes. We want them to make that and be like, oh, wow. Vegan right. cooking can be just as good as normal cooking. It can be just as flavorful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be raw vegetables. And right, right. Seeds. We really try to to just cook. I think it's about yeah. the flavors. Like if I'm yeah. making, I don't know, say I was making bully base. I probably said that wrong. I would research like a lot. I do a lot of research. Like, so I would look at like all the original flavor profiles to really get a good feel. Right. What makes this dish special? So, and if you think about it, protein doesn't really add so much flavor to a dish. It's more the texture. So Mm. I think it's easy to create really good tasting dishes using, you know, plant-based proteins Mm -hmm. and it still works. Mm. Lexi, do you feel like if you had sites like Crowded Kitchen around when all of this kind of blew up, if you had places you could go and figure out like, this is what I can eat versus this is what I can't eat, do you feel like that would have helped? Yeah, I feel like back, I mean, this wasn't that long ago. This was probably in 2013, 14. Mm -hmm. And you know, back then I, I followed a ton of like healthy eating and like mm. fitness influencers on Instagram. And at that time, I honestly wasn't aware so much of the food blogging universe, but I feel like that was kind of the beginning of this mm. huge boom in plant-based recipes and stuff. And it was very much focused on like raw veganism mm-hmm. and like extremely healthy recipes. And I feel like that was actually super negative to my mindset. Mm. And it's changed a lot, a lot in the last mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I honestly, like the content I was consuming at the time. And some of that was obviously just like, because I, those were the specific things I was following. Sure. I think that was actually kind of negative to my uh, mental health, but yeah, I think today, you know, if I were a college athlete now, I think it would be so much better because I think there's a much healthier mindset around food now on social media. And there's just I mean, there are so many amazing content creators and recipe creators. So yeah, yeah, that would have been helpful. Yeah, I think there's a lot more information out there. Like I think about one of the young men I coached in high school. He was one of our very best runners and he went on to run in college and he's become like an absolutely amazing runner. And he decided to go vegan like halfway Mm -hmm. through his college career. And he really, because there are so many better products and there's so much more information. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think he's been able to be successful with it because there is. And he doesn't even like cooking that much. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah. college guy, you know, trying to support themselves this way. Yeah. But he, I don't think he'll ever go back to eating. No. Mm. So it's, it's interesting to see. There's just mm. so many more options. Yeah. There are a lot more options. Yeah. yeah. Well, plus my dining hall had maybe like one vegan option in the night and it was usually awful. So. Yeah. You could do like <laughs> the salad bar or. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thankfully we had, we did have a whole foods in the town. So that was my saving grace because I don't know what I would have eaten otherwise, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's great because I feel like I really understand even more of the motivation behind Crowded Kitchen now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just going back to this high school experience, I was thinking about what you were saying, Lexi, about especially with your younger brother, like the kids would run with Beth and then just come home and Beth would cook with them. And like, that wasn't all. (laughs) You had more kids in the house, right? Yeah. It was like a revolving door of, of people. <laughs> I remember my husband's client, they were doing a golf tournament together. And he said, Hey, why don't you just spend the night at our house? And we had like, we probably had nine or 10 people here at the time. And the door just kept opening. And this guy's like, 
how many people are in this house? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just, that's kind of how our house was. It's just, they'd walk in the house and just be like, Hey mom, how are you? you know, they called me coach mom. That's what they call me. Oh, oh, that's so great. So, and tell me about the foreign exchange students. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we decided I always, because I was an only child, I used to beg my children, my children, my parents <laughs> to adopt. I always wanted them to adopt. So mm. they said no. So then I said, how about we get an exchange student? And they're like, no. So it just kind of <laughs> stuck in my head. And one night my husband and I were talking, he's like, I always wanted one too. And my, my parents always said no. So we just kind of filed that away. And then mm-hmm. it turned out that one of our neighbors places students in our area. And so we ended up Having our 2002. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was 2002. We ended up having our first exchange student and we really enjoyed it. And the kids loved having someone else in the house. And so, yeah, we did that for a number of years. And then it got really hard saying goodbye to them because we were very close to them. Yeah. We cry all the way back from the airport. And so finally the kids said, "Mm, let's not do this anymore. It's too hard. Yeah. And then several years later when they went to high school, which was a totally different experience for me and for the kids, they decided that they wanted to have students again. So we had a couple more. Did you have siblings, exchange oh, yeah. siblings, your same age that went to high school with you, Lexi? Yeah. So we had three students when I was in high school mm-hmm. um, and two of them I've remained super close with. And actually one of them is coming to visit this summer and she's from Chile and, you know, we're just so close. She's probably my best friend and it's just That's wonderful. Yeah. It's just been, I mean, I'm really close with two of the older ones as well. Who, you know, I think I was in fourth and fifth grade when they were here. So they were what, more like 16? big sisters. Then. Yeah. They were 16. Yeah. When they were here. yeah. So it's more of a big sister relationship with them, but like one of them we visited several times, but she has a baby now. And yeah, we got to visit her last year, which was amazing. And three of them came to my wedding a couple years ago and uh, you know, we've been to visit them several times. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just been, I just would not, it was, it's been amazing. Plus they were all girls and I obviously have two brothers. So yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm a little <laughs> jealous of that. Yeah. You're getting yeah. to have a sister. <laughs> I have wonderful really sister-in-laws fun. though. <laughs> yes. There you go. That's good. So it was oh. such a fun experience. We loved it. That's amazing. Beth, how in the world did you go from being an only child? I mean, that's a very quiet, controlled atmosphere to just the busy all the time and the noise, the noise, the noise. I have four boys and like they've schools have never reopened around here. They actually just, and I'm homeschooling my younger two because virtual was a disaster. It's like the noise, the noise, the noise. I can't take any more noise. Um, I think I, I actually didn't like being an only child. Everyone thinks it's Mm. such a great thing because, you know, and of course Mm. there's, positives to it, but I actually really didn't enjoy it. And I always really envied when I would go over to my friend's houses and they'd have these bigger families and it was always loud and fun Mm. and everybody'd be around the dinner table. And so in my mind, I determined I was going to have three kids because I really wanted to do. So I actually thrive on it. Yeah. Pretty high energy level. And uh, Uh, obviously, yes. (laughs) I actually just really like all that. You know, it's it's actually something I kind of miss is, you know, all the kids being here all the time. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And clearly, this is, I think, also where your organizational skills came out because you were (laughs) juggling a lot of balls at the time. Yeah. Yeah, it was. You think back on it and you're like, how do we do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I get older, obviously I appreciate it more. And, mm-hmm. You know, even just being so busy with the business now, it's like, sometimes you think about, oh my gosh, imagine if 
I had kids right now or yeah. something. I, can't, I don't know how people do it. I don't, I really don't. You just do it. I guess we'll see one day. Eventually. That's that's right. That's right. That's right. You just do it. You yeah. Just do you it. don't really think about it. Yeah. You just, you have you know, no choice. It's like when you bring yeah. the baby home and you think as you're driving home, oh my gosh, what do I do now? But you just figure it out. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes better or worse, you know. Exactly. But. <laughs> so much for all those books we read. Right? Oh my word. <laughs> and did these foreign exchange students, did they cook there? And did you kind of learn like favorite dishes from their land? And does that from their land? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sounding kind of fairy tale here. And did <laughs> they <laughs> and does that influence Crowded Kitchen? None of them were, I would say, amazing chefs, but <laughs> <laughs> I would encourage them though. Definitely. They would cook like special meals for us from time to time or like holidays. You know, we would always encourage them to share a, a special dish. Marta was probably the Actually for a long time, I like a long, long time ago, I taught like scrapbooking, creative memories. I was a creative memories. Oh, of kids. course you were. <laughs> so all the kids would come over here, all the exchange students in the local area, they would come over and we'd have these big scrapbooking nights and they'd spend the night. Oh, I'd have like 20 teenage girls here, but we would always have them um, make something from their country and then we'd have a big potluck dinner so that was fun I, I definitely think and encouraged me to try different types of foods mm-hmm. you know because I grew up in a very traditional family and you know mm-hmm. we didn't really have a lot of different types of foods so mm-hmm. I think it really broadened my horizons I think our Thai student probably broadened our horizons was, the most yeah, totally as far true. as mm. the spicy foods and liking different types of you know spices and herbs yeah, she was the one we were really the most excited about from a cuisine standpoint because <laughs> she wrote a letter. They all would write you letters once they mm-hmm. found out we were being placed with you. And she yeah. told us that she cooked every day with her mom. So when she got here and our Filipino neighbors were very excited about this, the ones who would bring us yeah. Yeah. because they love Thai food. So yeah. we invited them over for dinner to have pad Thai and I'd never made it. So we went to the store and we bought everything and I got it home and she chose to take more of an American name. So I said, Nikki, what do we do now? And she's like, I don't know, mom, I've only seen it made before. And I was like, Oh no, what do I do? <laughs> so her parents had sent a cookbook and we got the cookbook out. So she had no idea. She's like, she yeah, totally lied no. about cooking. She, she, oh, I thought maybe it was something that you only ever ate in a restaurant and you made different food no. at home, but she no, really I didn't cook every day. Oh my word. You just like totally made it up and then was like too afraid to tell you that she, oh, she literally could not make nothing. Oh, I don't know who I feel the worst for in that story. <laughs> so, but you know, and honestly, in the end, um, and I, I, like even then I wasn't vegan, but I don't really love fish. So I would refuse to make it with fish sauce. So she would tell her grandma that she liked mine better than hers. And I was like, okay, that's probably not a good thing. She's also the same student who left a gigantic burn mark on yes. the kitchen table. She said a hot she pot. Said a hot pot oh, oh no. Is it still there? Do you still have the same table? Uh, <laughs> no, but I did pull out and my husband never questioned why they were placemats all of a sudden on the table because we never cut them out. So uh, yeah, we managed to skate by that for a while until one day we had to tell him what was going on. Oh, so, yeah, she, she lied a little bit yeah. about that, but <laughs> you learned how to cook some Thai food. Yeah, and it was actually kind of funny because before the kids would leave, we would always, I would always say, okay, what dishes do you want me to make? What were your favorite things? Yeah. And, um, you know, you think of Thai food, it's so, so spicy. And yeah, and we would buy the big, huge Costco size, you know, red pepper flakes for her and she yeah. everything. But her favorite meal was Thanksgiving, which I thought was so funny. It was it really? It was so bland, you know? Yeah. But yeah. That's what she loved. So we wow. 
Did she put red pepper flakes on her <laughs> turkey and stuffing and mashed potato? No, she didn't. But actually, my youngest doesn't like pepper because his brother thought it would be funny to put red pepper flakes in his cereal. <laughs> she would always have it on the table. So, yeah, to this day, he's convinced he's allergic to pepper. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Well, you guys, I, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I have enjoyed this conversation so much. And thank you for being so flexible with the directions. Oh, of course. This is fun. fun. It's always, it's, it's funny because we haven't done a super personal yes. uh, podcast like this before. And honestly, when you start talking about it, I guess, you know, we, there are some things I just guess I didn't even realize yes. that have really impacted how we've built our business and it's yes. fun to talk about it. So Yes, yes. I feel like I understand so deeply your kind of your heart <laughs> and your why and all that behind what's driving Crowded Kitchen. So that's amazing. So I just want to wrap this up. We're kind of doing a little Mother's Day series here, but this is going to be the first one. So it'll come out before Mother's Day. So Beth, I would love to hear from you what a great Mother's Day would be. And also if anybody will be doing like some last minute Mother's Day preparations, is there, what resources do you have for them on your blog? Oh, I'll let you answer that. You answer first. Okay. I think this year in light of everything we've been through is yeah. um, a family gathering where everyone's vaccinated and we can all be safe together. And, and, you know, not worry about who went here and who went yeah. there and just, you know, not have that stress and just be together without, yeah. without that worry. Yeah. 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 You know, and cooking, whatever. I'm usually very flexible. I usually prefer to eat in because I'm never as happy eating out because mm. I'm usually too hypercritical of <laughs> 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 what I'm eating. But uh, yeah, just not having to do the dishes. That's a big do the grocery shopping. Yeah. Yeah. All the not fun parts about exactly <laughs> not yeah. cleaning up, not cleaning flour up off the table. No, I'm kidding. Like, see, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I yes, I will clean up my own. Bed. For me, that's definitely the part I enjoy the most is having the kids be together, watching yeah. them together, cooking and yeah. know, hanging out. That's what I like the most. Sounds ideal. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of on the blog, we definitely have quite a few Mother's Day friendly recipes on there. We just shared a carrot cake baked oatmeal with a cream cheese glaze that makes for a really nice Mother's Day brunch. And Mm. the thing I like a lot about that recipe is that it's very easy. So if you have a kid or somebody that's not quite as familiar with cooking, it's a nice, easy brunch to throw together. So that's a good one. But we've, we've got lots of appetizers and main dishes. And we, you know, like I kind of tying back into our our main mission with with Crowded Kitchen. We try to recreate traditional recipes. We do a lot of cocktails as well. So hopefully anybody who's searching for Mother's Day recipes should hopefully be able to find some ideas. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So finally, just tell everyone where they can find you guys. Yep. So our website is crowdedkitchen.com. And our main social media, we're uh, most active on Instagram. And our Instagram account is at crowded underscore kitchen. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Beth and Lexi. I've enjoyed this so much. Thank you. We have to. This is really fun. Yes. Have a great day. Happy Mother's Day. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. You can, of course, find all of Beth and Lexi's contact information for Crowded Kitchen in the show notes for this episode over on thestoriedrecipe.com. Also, we did not talk at all about the recipe that Beth and Lexi shared with us, but it was vegan lentil cocovin, which was so delicious, rich and fresh and earthy all at once. My husband went back for thirds and my 10-year-old kept exclaiming how much he loved it. 
You can find that recipe over on the Storied Recipe website as well. This was the first episode in a series specifically highlighting mother-daughter relationships. And next week, we'll be back with Ashley of Bright Roots Kitchen and her mother, Jackie, who didn't even know that was her name until grade school because she was always called Precious up until that point. Jackie considers herself to be Jamaican with African roots, and Ashley identifies as a Black American woman. We talk about Ashley arriving at her own identity, the generations of strong and loving women who came before then, snapshots of their lives in Jamaica, Queens, and Brooklyn, and the new to me soup that all Jamaicans simply know as chicken soup. You will absolutely want to tune into this episode, Jackie Sings for Us, so make sure you subscribe right now for that episode and all the amazing interviews coming up. I have recorded into June and booked into July at this point, and every episode really is so thought-provoking and inspiring. You do not want to miss them. Finally, I want to thank all who have left reviews over the last week. I specifically right now want to read out two of them. Moy says, this is not a how to cook podcast. Sure, the interview incorporates food, but it does so in a way that we benefit from profound lessons on love, loss, courage, faith, strength, and more. In fact, it takes someone with great intuition and empathy like Becky to facilitate discussions that seem relevant to your life each and every episode. I've also had the opportunity to be Becky's guest. You cannot meet Becky without falling in love with her warmth, caring, kind, and deeply honest spirit. With each episode, you get glimpses into Becky's life, and she is just as remarkable as her guest. Moy, I have to disagree with that one, but thank you. This is a podcast about the everyday hero and the food that nourishes their soul. It's relatable because we all have that story. Moy, thank you so much. It was an honor to have you as a guest, and I'm so thankful that we've continued in a friendship. Here's Annie. Annie says, we have enjoyed episodes that allow us to learn the story behind the food and the joy of creating that recipe ourselves. This podcast is a unique way to blend the culture of food with the ability to create foods that are robust in both history and flavor. And finally, I'm just going to read a third from Joanna. She's talking specifically about last week's episode. She says the podcast with Fatima was amazing. She's exactly like that in the world. So energetic and happy, even though her life has been so hard. She is an amazing young woman. Thank you for letting her story be heard. So I will just wrap up with that. I would say go on and listen to Fatima's episode. It is incredible. She is a truth teller. She's a loving spirit and knows how to look at the world with nuance and embracing the best in all. I appreciate her. And thank you again to Lexi and Beth. Happy Mother's Day to all who are going to celebrate this week and have a wonderful week, my friends.